does that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. If you have been born again of water and the spirit, you repented of your sins, you were baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, God filled you with his spirit, with the Holy Ghost, and you knew that because there was an evidence, an initial evidence he gave you of speaking in other tongues, speaking a language that you've never learned, don't understand. It was the evidence he gave you so that you would know you have his spirit, so that it wouldn't just have to be a feeling thing. He wants you to know. Amen? But if that has happened, it says that we are being changed into the image, right? The glory of the Lord are being changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Holy Ghost wants to continue to change you into the image of God from glory to glory, from him, his manifestation to his manifestation. That's what the glory is. It's him manifesting himself. So God is changing us. So church, you have purpose today. What is God's what is God desiring in your life? He wants to change you into his image. He wants you to be more and more like him. Are you growing? Well, here's, here's, here's how you can figure that out. Are you looking more and more like Jesus? You've got to answer that question. You need to ask yourself that question. Please don't just be content with having 50 years of living for God. Are you looking more and more like Jesus or not? That, because that's what the Holy Ghost is doing in you. He says, well, I've had the Holy Ghost for a long time. Well, you should be looking more and more like God. You should have more of his nature, more of his character. You should be less carnal, less like the world, less like the old you and more like him. You should have more compassion, more fruit. Because that's what it's doing in you. That's what the Holy Ghost is doing in us. Amen? Verse chapter 4, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. See, so understand, if you don't understand the ministry and what the Holy Ghost is doing through you, you won't do, you won't renounce the hidden things. You, you won't attack the sin that's in your life. You'll think that the Holy Ghost has come just to make life better for you. But you've got to understand what it's trying to do in you. It's producing God in you. If we don't understand that, we're not going to be doing the things we're supposed to be doing. We're going to miss it. We're going to keep staying in a cycle of frustration, of wondering, God, where are you at? What's going on? Why isn't this fixed? And the thing is, he's not trying to fix your problems or your situations. He's trying to fix you. He's fixing me. Praise God. And so I renounce hidden things of dishonesty. I don't walk in craftiness. I don't handle the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of truth, I commend myself to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I don't have to be secretive. I don't have to hide things. I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to try and control people. 
because it's not about you. It's not about me trying to gather people to me. It's about me being changed into the image of God. I don't have to force you to believe what I believe and act the way I act because it's not about that. It's about me being transformed into the image of God. So people who handle the word of God deceitfully, they don't understand the ministry that the Holy Ghost is working in them. They may have the Holy Ghost, but they don't understand what the purpose is. Verse 3, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We have people in this world who have been blinded by the God of this world. Church, we have been called to open the blinded eyes. We can't just be content with saying, oh, they're just blind. He's given you power when the Holy Ghost came upon you. Somebody's got to do something about the blindness. And if we don't, who will? If we don't pray for their eyes to be opened, who's going to do it? If we don't intercede, if we don't reach, if we don't shine the light of Jesus Christ into their lives, if we don't lay hands on them, if we don't speak the truth, how will they not become blind? How will they ever see? We have a ministry because we've been, I'm being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what he did. So if you think that's not your ministry, you, are, you have mistaken what the Holy Ghost is in you for. You are supposed to be looking more and more like Jesus. Not just a better church goer. More and more like him. And so that's what he did. And so verse 5, it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. We're not preaching ourselves. You're not going out there because you have it together, because you're good. Don't let that hinder you. Don't let that stop you because you feel like, well, I still got this issue. Exactly. Don't preach yourself. Preach him. Jesus has no issues. Don't wait for yourself to get it all together before you proclaim the one who already has it together. Preach him. And people that wait for themselves and say, well, I'm not going to share Jesus because of me. You are exalting yourself above him. That is the height of pride. You're saying that your actions matter greater than his actions. You're making yourself out to be God when he's saying he's God and he's on the throne. But if we'll humble ourselves and say we're not preaching ourselves, but we're preaching him. We're declaring him. We're manifesting him. Praise God. Verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. <sighs> The excellency of the power, of the greatness, the majesty, the awesomeness of it, the attraction of it, the attraction of what we are presenting is not us. It's not you or I, it's him. He doesn't want people attracted to you. 
He wants them attracted to him. Because if they're attracted to you, you will fail them. I'm sorry, did I pop somebody's bubble? (laughs) You're going to fail yourself, let alone somebody else. If if you try and be anybody's savior, anybody's God, you 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 are in for a horrible time. You can't even save yourself. So the attraction... We're not attracting people because of us. It's because of him. But what's happening is the Holy Ghost is in me, and it's transforming me from glory to glory into his image so that when I'm around, the more people see, they're going to see me. And the more they see of me, they're going to see him. That's the way it should be, right? So that the goodness that people are attracted to, it's not you, it's him because you're being conformed into his image. But if we're not being transformed into his image, then people are just seeing me. And that won't do anybody any good. And so we have an obligation to allow the Holy Spirit to transform me, to conform me from glory to glory into his image, whatever it takes. And so, well, why, do, why does the people of God go through the things they go through? Because God is conforming us into his image. Why don't we just have easy street? Because we need to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ so that the people will see Jesus in us and not ourselves. This is why the Bible says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which should try you as though some strange thing did happen to you. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Because you know that it's working patience. It's producing Jesus in me. So I need the trial. Because that's the ministry that I have of the Holy Ghost working in me to become like him. So I need the sufferings of Christ to work in me so I can become like him. So I don't pray them away. I pray for God's grace to transform me in the midst of it. I pray for it to do the work that it's supposed to do in me. Hmm. Praise God. Verse number seven, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so um, I know for many of us, we feel it's unfortunate. He didn't transform our bodies. Is there anybody but me that just, man, I, sometimes I make myself sick. My fleshly mind. My, the limitations of the flesh. Anybody other than me been tired this week? Been tired, this just drained. God, come on, oh, just, I, we got work to do. Why can't, just, I shouldn't be sleepy. Shouldn't need a nap. I got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but the treasure is in an earthen vessel. Why? That the excellency 
of the power may be of God and not of us. Don't beat yourself up over your physical limitations. Because the excellency needs to be of God and not of you. Paul said this, this is the end of 2 Corinthians. You can flip over there if you want, but it's chapter 10 where he says he prayed um, three times for, I'm sorry, chapter 12. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You see that? Talk about the gift of God. It says it was given to him. By who? There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. To destroy me? Mm -mm. Turn me away from God? Lest I should be exalted above measure. To keep me humble. To keep me dependent on the treasure that's in the earthen vessel. And not the earthen vessel. To keep my mind right. To keep me from getting puffed up in myself and thinking I got it all together. I got it figured out. I can do it all myself. To keep me from getting prideful. To keep me from looking at other people from, from a position of, of, of being high and lofty. To keep me from being puffed up in what God has worked through me. So that when I preach to others, I don't become a castaway myself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Verse 8, for this thing, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Come on, it's okay. You can, you can take, your, take everything to the Lord in prayer. Cast all your cares before him. Verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That was his answer to him. That was his answer. He says, my grace is enough because the strength of God is made perfect and weak. It's made complete. It's shown off. The excellency of the glory is seen greater through a weakened vessel, through an earthen vessel. There's, there's, a, there's a testimony of God's power working through a weakened vessel. And so he says this most gladly, therefore, Will I glory, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? Verse 10, therefore, you see this? That, that right after Jesus speaks in verse 9, he says, most gladly, therefore. Verse 10, he says, therefore. So something happened when he got a revelation of what God's will was for his life. The situation did not change. His perspective changed. He understood that what I thought was against me was actually for me. 
What I thought I needed to get rid of is actually something that's building me up into the nature of Jesus Christ. And so he says, I switched. I went from trying to get rid of it to actually glorying in it. I went from a place of crying out, God, this is horrible, to God, I thank you for what you have allowed in my life. Praise God, there is something powerful when we align our purpose with the word of God. But there is frustration, there's anger, there's bitterness, and there's offense when you are misaligned with what God is trying to produce in you. When you don't understand that God is trying to get his image out of you and not just trying to make you comfortable, you will be frustrated. With the Holy Ghost, with the power of God, God using you, God doing great things through you, you will be frustrated. But if you can recognize, wait a second, God is, God is doing something in me. He is changing me into his image from glory to glory. That's where the peace comes. That's where the joy comes. Verse 10, he says, therefore, I take pleasure. Wait a second, what? He is now taking pleasure in the very thing he was praying to get rid of. You can change what you enjoy. Repentance, change your mind. Let your mind, let the mind of Christ be in you. And you'll have joy. You'll have joy in things that other people hate. And people will wonder, well, what is the reason for the joy that's in you? And it says, be ready to give a man an answer. Be ready to answer. Why is it that you have joy in situations where other people lost their mind? Why do you have joy when other people were going crazy and bitter and they went on a rampage and they acted out and they were angry and they were violent? Why is it that you have peace? What is, what's the difference? Are you super special? No, I just have aligned myself with the word of God. This thing is producing something in me that's glorious. Talk about overcoming. I take pleasure in my infirm in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, <laughs> then am I strong. Praise God. So this gospel, it flips everything upside down. It takes the weak things of the world and it confounds the strong. It takes the foolish things and confounds the wise. It takes those dark places and it says, there shall be light. It takes my confusion and my pain and suffering and turns it into glory and resurrection and power. Praise God. And so we have a ministry. Really quickly, back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Verse number eight says this, for we are, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. 
cast down but not destroyed. Come on. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. There's a purpose to all this. See, this is the life we've been called to live. It's not a life of everything being good. It's a life of it all working together for the good. It's not a life of just smooth sailing, of everything going the way I want it to go. It's a life that I know everything that happens, it's working for my good. <laughs> we, I don't even know if we'll get there. We'll see it. But it says, oh, wow, our light affliction. My goodness. Verse 8, right? He says we're troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. So it's okay to have trouble. It is not the will of God to be distressed. Be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what is his promise? And the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. He promises you peace. Because he'll do exactly what he did to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. He'll change your perspective that you'll realize that this thing that you thought was against you is actually your friend. It's working for you. This affliction, light affliction, is working in me a far way better weight of glory. I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I'm learning patience in this thing. I'm learning joy. I'm learning love. I'm learning uh, a peace in the midst of the storm. I'm learning uh, kindness and gentleness. That's what's being produced in me. There's fruit that's growing in my life that the Father is well pleased if I have it. Glory to God. We're perplexed, but not in despair meaning your mind may not understand everything. I say this, don't try and figure everything out. Because <laughs> there's a scripture that says his ways are just not our ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. So he'll reveal stuff to you. Take it to him. Pray. Seriously. Absolutely. Lay it at his feet. God, what's going on here? Take this away. Change it. Do it. Just be ready that the answer may not be what you want to hear. <laughs> God, change this. Do it. And he may just say, my grace is enough. But you're not in despair. You don't have to despair. Life's not over. It's a confusing situation you're in, but life's not over. You're confused, God's not confused. You don't understand, God understands. You don't know, God knows. Don't despair. Persecute it, but you're not forsaken. <laughs> He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're cast down, not destroyed. Verse number 12. Verse number 12. 
So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up Jesus, raised up the Lord Jesus, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man Your outward man is perishing. Be okay with that. Your outward man is perishing. It's not eternal. It's an earthen vessel. That doesn't, that doesn't mean to forsake it. That doesn't mean to, the Bible talks about giving it over to idols and fornication. No, your body is a temple of God. But it's perishing. It's perishing, but the inward man, that's got to be renewed every day, every day, every day. So I think about this, however much attention you put on the outside, put twice as much on the inside. If you spend 30 minutes brushing your hair, spend an hour in prayer. Brush your spiritual hair. I don't know <laughs> that makes any sense. <laughs> I don't even know we have spiritual. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's a weird image. <laughs> anyway, something's working your mind and then you come out and it doesn't. It's not quite the same. <laughs> but that inward man, right? That's if you you take time and I, we should because it matters what we wear on the out it matters the clothing that we wear. God cared about that from the garden, so it matters what we put on. It matters to be clothed. It matters to, to cover up some things. That matters. But there's a greater matter of the heart that you need to make sure you're not unclothed. Make sure that, that that's right, that your spirit is right, that your heart is right, your mind is right. People talk about waking up on the wrong side of the bed. We do that in our flesh. You wake up and you have an attitude for no reason simply because your flesh says it's Tuesday. What's that? Just mad. Just, ah. Right? You need to put on the clothes of the Lord. You need to clothe yourself with peace. Don't just allow your flesh to decide what you're wearing for the day. You're going to wear bitterness. You're going to wear offense. You're going to wear anger. No. Take that off. That's not your clothing. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Praise God. We're almost done. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That is awesome. Bishop, I know that that was years ago. That was your scripture. It still is. I know it is. <laughs> But it's a light affliction. <laughs> Church, no disrespect, it ain't that bad. Somebody said, but you don't know what I'm going through. I didn't say it. The word did. 
The Bible calls it light affliction. Now, so you say, well, well, they don't know what I'm talking about. Well, who wrote this? The Holy Ghost through a vessel, an earthen vessel named Paul. And Paul lists out the things were shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, whipped, left for dead. I think he actually died once by being stoned. The church raised him up um, in the deep <laughs> days without food. We, 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 we have no perception really of what he all went through. Because literally God says that's the calling of his life. From the, from the time he called him, he says, tell him, show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. So the level of suffering was actually ordained, foreordained by God to be a level that I believe is surmounts anything. So that when he writes a word that says light affliction, it actually is true. We can receive it. I can know, wait a second, this isn't just spoken as just some isolated incident. No, this is the Holy Ghost through a chosen vessel of suffering to say my affliction is light. I receive that. And if you receive that, you'll start having peace in the midst of it. But if you think your affliction is heavier than anything else and you think it's working against you and you, you think the earthen vessel is no good and you're focused on that and you're, uh, God's grace is not sufficient and uh, the inward man is not being renewed, you're going to have a hard time walking with the Lord. <clears throat> Praise God. Verse 18, so while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Chapter 5 is so awesome. We don't have time. Um, but, um, wow, it's so good. I'm going to skip over. Verse number 7, that's a good one. We walk by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> Verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also our made manifest in your consciences. <clears throat> we know the terror of the Lord. We need to persuade men. God has been good to us. God is good. Uh, and those of us that have been born again of water and the spirit, we have a ministry that the Holy Ghost is working in us, being conformed into the image of God. We need to settle that in our hearts so that we can go and persuade men because we know the terror of the Lord. Um, there's so much stuff happening, uh, so many things going on. And it's really, I, I feel this, like there's just this, um, it's almost like a, and, and forgive me for using this word, like a, like a, a schizophrenia. But it's this, this place of extremes where you're super high, but also super low. 
But that really is the ministry of the body of Christ. That the Bible says that we sit together with him in heavenly places. But then Paul says we've been made the, the, the scum of the earth, literally. Like a stepping stool. We've been cast down. Servants. Slaves. And so there's this ministry we have that's to the lowly. It's called to be a servant and low and, and, and to um, abide with those that are hurting, to minister to the hurting and to weep for those that weep, to mourn with those that mourn. We have a ministry. We, we know the glory of God that's being revealed in us from glory to glory and what the hope we have is so great and so wonderful and we rejoiced over it this morning. We just shouted and danced. But I also know the terror of the Lord for those that don't have it. I know the greatness of what I do have, and I know the emptiness of those that don't. And so there's these two extremes we live between. It's a dichotomy. The Bible calls Jesus a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so he, he had grief. He had sorrow. Uh, it talks about he wept over Jerusalem when he came in there. He was weeping over Jerusalem saying, I, I wanted to, to gather you. I wanted, I wanted to bring you in, but you missed it. You missed the day of your visitation. You just, you didn't see it. So, so Jesus, he had joy over his disciples when they came back and they said, Jesus, even the, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And it says that Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. It literally says he leapt. He was leaping and praising God, saying, God, thank you for revealing this to babe. So he was thankful for disciples and people of God growing and becoming what they were called to be. That excited him. He rejoiced. He shouted. He danced over that. He was dancing in church. But at the same time, he's weeping over the lost. And we have both. We have both. We have that ministry in us. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. And so I, I, I'm just sharing this. Just, I've kind of just kind of like, like, Lord, am I, what's going on with me? What's <laughs> What's up? Like, are, am I am I backslidden? Is am I? Is there something like? Is these extremes of, you know, like, almost a heaviness and and just everything? And so just. But but church, it really is serious. Like what we have is really so great, that, we should shout, never stop shouting. But. The death that's all around us should make us weep and never stop weeping. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's extreme. It really is extreme. It's, it's, the Bible says this, it says, knowing the goodness and the severity of God. He's good and he's severe. It's both. He, he told Moses this, Moses said, I want to know your, I want to see your glory and God says, I'm going to pass by you, put you in the cleft of the rock. And he says, and he let his glory pass by him. He says, I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord. And he proclaimed his name. He says, merciful, merciful, long-suffering, patient, forgiving, forgives the sins. But then it says, but then he goes on and he says, but not holding, but holding the, the guilty, right? Not forgiving the guilty, but bringing on them condemnation and judgment to the children and the children's children. And so it's like, wait, what, what, what? 
What is it? Are you merciful or are you a judging God? Yes. Yes, is he kind or is he or is he hard or is he severe? Yes. Yes, is he is he is he compassionate or is he a serious God on yes. To those that receive him, he's precious. But to those that don't believe, he's a he's an offense. He's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. And so there's this dichotomy. And so listen to me, listen. There is a spirit of this age that wants you living in the lukewarm. Don't go to the extreme of weeping or rejoicing. We just live in the, the lukewarmness. The lukewarmness. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, I believe there's a lot of interpretation of that scripture where Jesus says, I wish that you were hot or cold. But you're lukewarm. And just... A recent revelation, I think, or application, I'll say, of that, hot or cold, that you should be super excited and overflowing with joy over who Jesus is in you. And at the same time, you should be broken and weeping over those God has called you to minister to and intercede for. You should be hot and cold. You should be hot and cold. You should be moved with compassion. You should rejoice with those that rejoice, but you should mourn with those that mourn. That's the spirit of Jesus Christ that's in us. So church, I, I, let's all stand. Just praise God. so it's this weird place that we've been called to live in and literally we're caught between two worlds you and I are caught between two worlds we live in this flesh we live in this world but we're not of the world he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation Literally mediators, go-betweens, between heaven and the glory of God and the power of God and literally people living in hell. And there is a, there is a spirit that wants us to back away from either one. To back away from either one. Because both of you, both of them will cost you. Both of them will cost you. So I just, I don't know, I just believe it in this hour that God is, is calling us to a place of being hot and cold for him. Completely on fire for the Lord but at the same time giving our lives for the ministry to this world. Being high in heavenly places with him, but allowing the sufferings and the affliction to keep us from being exalted above measure. The ministry of Jesus Christ.
So I think somebody mentioned, and I just share this last thing, and then we're going to pray. Um, like the Lord placed it on my heart, 50 days of, of evangelism. And I tell you this, it's, it's not just a gimmick. It's not a gimmick. It's not. Something is happening in the spirit. And I told somebody this yesterday. They were talking about, oh, I heard you guys are doing 50 days of evangelism. And I said, the crazy thing is what the Lord has placed on my heart is, if I do 50 days of this, it's going to be hard not to do 51 and 52 and 54 and 60 and 70 and 80 and 100. It's going to be hard that this doesn't become my life. But that's what I see in Jesus. I see that in Jesus. I see that in Jesus. So, so church, yes, I'm, I'm thankful we gather. We, we have to. We have to. That's, that's part of it. We need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. We need to sing songs of, of joy and excitement over what God has done. We need to shout. We need to dance. We need to run. We should be doing that. We should be dancing before the Lord with all our heart. We should be lifting up our holy hands and waving them before the Lord. We, sh we should be spinning before God. Those are commandments. Those are commandments of God of how to praise him. Like, that's not even emotional stuff. It's a commandment from God. I pray that God would show you that, give you a revelation of it. It's not emotion. It's obedience. It's obedience. You lifting, you opening your mouth and declaring how great God is and shouting unto him with a voice of triumph, that's obedience. That's obedience. Singing songs, that's obedience. So anyway, we've got to do that. But at the same time, we have a ministry to this world. We have a ministry to the lost. Because it's the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's what he's working in us. And so, are, we being, are you being transformed into the image of Christ? Because the more and more, I don't know about you, the more and more I grow, and I'm trying to grow, haven't arrived yet, things are becoming more and more extreme. And I'm becoming more and more sad over the world. And it just, I love the people of God. I, I, this is becoming more and more good, more and more gooder. But at the same time, that's becoming worse and worse. And so there's this extreme, so... Hallelujah. I've kind of settled with the Lord, and it's kind of weird. It's kind of different. I don't, I don't preach or, or say things with outcomes in mind or how it's going to end or what altar call will look like. I have no idea. I just want to share what I feel like he put on my heart to say. And then whatever happens from that, I believe that God, God will give the increase. So... If you want to come pray, you can pray. If you don't want to pray, you don't have to. If you want to, um, there's, we're having fellowship right after. I ask that you would stay for that. And uh, downstairs. And, but Jesus is good to us. So I think this would be a good time to just commit ourselves to him. Wherever you are, just commit yourself to him. And 
Be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, I dare you to ask him. I dare you to ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Sincerely. He'll do it. He's promised to do it. No doubt in my mind, because he said he'll do it. Praise God. These altars are open. I'm done speaking. Let's connect with the Lord. Amen.